Hi, I'm Erin O'Hara, Executive Director of the Tennessee Education Research Alliance. And I'm Laura Booker, current professor at Vanderbilt University's Peabody College. And I'm also the former Executive Director of Research at the Tennessee Department of Education. And here we are, Laura, at the beginning of season two of the 10th period, which is our podcast designed to bring you up to speed on education and education research in Tennessee. Welcome back. Thanks. We did it. We made it to a second season. Second season. Actually, today is the 10th episode of the 10th period, so the first uh, episode of season two, but the 10th episode overall, which we're excited about. And as a reminder for everyone who is listening, on each episode here, what we like to do is to cover... Uh, The latest in education in Tennessee, we focus particularly on the connection between the research that is being done in Tennessee and the use of research and practice. And so what we like to do is talk first a little bit about a recent research project that either we've done at the Tennessee Education Research Alliance or our partners at the Tennessee Department of Education. I think this year we might bring on some other uh, research as well. And then we like to think about how that research is being used in practice. And, And that may mean that we're bringing on uh, a principal or a teacher who's actually using research or a former principal or a teacher and uh, or someone from the Department of Education who can talk about sort of what's going to happen next. So we're excited about being back and excited about the changes that have happened since we were gone. That's right. And so one of the changes is that I'm actually no longer working at the Department of Education. Um, back over the summer, I transitioned to a faculty job here at Vanderbilt. I was really excited to have the opportunity to focus on actually being a teacher, um, being a teacher for both undergraduate and graduate students here at Vanderbilt. Um, We've also had some changes um, at the department. The newest commissioner, uh, Dr. Penny Schwen, is currently um, about to hit, I think, her one-year mark of being commissioner here in Tennessee. And she's recently rolled out a strategic plan called Best for All with a couple of priority areas One around academics uh, with a specific focus on literacy, another around focusing on the whole child, and then the third priority around educators, um, specifically with a focus on developing pipelines, pipelines for both teachers of color, for leaders, and actually that's firmly where we're going to be focusing today. Yeah, so today we're going to talk a little bit about um, some research that we did last year, some research that uh, our partners at the Tennessee Educators of Color Alliance did last year on teacher diversity. And um, what can be, how are we thinking about uh, recruiting and retaining teachers of color in the state of Tennessee? And what are teachers of color telling us about what uh, would work for them to want to stay, to want to come into the practice and then want to stay in the practice? And so this fall, we um, did a series of regional meetings. We traveled to Chattanooga, Knoxville, Jackson, and Clarksville with our partners at the Tennessee Educators of Color Alliance to highlight our research, which is quantitatively focused, um, done by Jason Grissom, which we talked about on a podcast episode last year, um, as well as the qualitative research, so focus groups that the Tennessee Educators of Color Alliance did. Um, And and so we invited uh, educator preparation programs. We had leadership from school districts that was there and some school leadership as well. And so today um, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we learned from the meetings, the importance of the research, and what that means for us and our partners at TECA and the Tennessee Department of Education going forward. Yeah, we're going to be welcoming Indira Damu, who's a founding board member of the Tennessee Educators of Color Alliance. Um, And she was one of the co-presenters at the regional meetings that Tara did across the state. And then we're also going to have Pam Chapman. And Pam is the current director of leadership at the Tennessee Department of Education. And she's going to be talking about what the department's next steps and actions are going to be to support districts and schools in expanding our pool of teachers of color and supporting our current teachers of color in our classrooms across the state. Um, So I'm excited to have Pam here, too, because she, uh, well, and Indira. Indira was a a teacher 
um, and and spent um, a couple of years um, as a teacher of color in her own building, navigating some of the things that that happen in that environment. And Pam, uh, a school leader and a teacher and a school leader for many years. And so we'll um, both have the, the conversation about the research, but we're also going to talk about what it means in practice. Now we welcome Indira Damu, one of the founding board members of the Tennessee Educators of Color Alliance and uh, one of our co-presenters at our regional meetings, one, uh, who I had the great pleasure of traveling the state of Tennessee with over the month of October. Indira, welcome to the 10th period. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So we're excited to talk uh, a little bit more about the research that Tekka did last year, and then we're going to focus more specifically on just sort of what happened in these regional meetings and sort of what did people talk about and what are we going to do next. But but first, let's talk just a little bit about we, we did talk last year on the podcast about the research that you had done, but can you remind us what are sort of the big takeaways from Tekka's research and why did you all engage in that research? Yeah, so last year we engaged in a qualitative study where we interviewed teachers in four cities across Tennessee um, and we focus on teachers of color and we asked them to reflect on their experience being a teacher of color in their school or district. And we did this research because we felt like while there was a lot of quantitative research um, about teachers of color in Tennessee, it's also important for us to give voice to the actual lived experiences of teachers of color. And it was really interesting when we did the focus groups, a lot of teachers said, no one has ever asked me what it's like to actually be a teacher in the state. So I think that was important for us to do something um, that was more qualitative in nature. And some of the things that we found really, I think, line up pretty perfectly with quantitative research that has been done. But I think the, the top line finding that we had is that a lot of teachers of color in Tennessee are incredibly racially isolated. So they're often the only teacher of color in their school building. And that has a huge impact on retention of teachers and their overall satisfaction with the job. And that was consistent across all four cities that we um, were in. So that was our you know, top line finding. I think the other thing that really stuck out from the research is that principles matter, especially principles of color. So a lot of the teachers of color that we spoke to talked about how they had been recruited and hired by a principal of color. And so as we think about what are some strategies to better support teachers of color? I think we also have to talk about principles of color and how they're being better supported. Yeah, and as you said, the the two bits of research that we were presenting at these regional meetings lined up perfectly because Jason Grissom, who is our faculty director here at Terra, who had done the work um, from a quantitative perspective around teachers of color, had found exactly this, right, that um, in that teachers uh, – Black teachers in particular are more likely to leave their building if they were more racially isolated, meaning that they were one of just a few teachers of color in the building, um, but more likely to uh, to stay if there is a, a principal of color, but also principals of color are more likely to hire from within their networks, which meant more often you had more uh, teachers of color in those buildings. And you could see even when you had a switchover between a black principal and a white principal the way in which that affected the composition of the workforce. And, and so it was really interesting to actually have two different sets of work going on simultaneously that ultimately found the same thing. 
So Indira, from both, you know, knowing what Jason found um, and from your own research with Tekka, what are some recommendations that you feel like, you know, at different levels, state level, district level, school level, that people should be taking in terms of next steps? So I think a big one that we heard from teachers of color was that they really wanted affinity spaces in their school or district to be able to talk about the things that they were experiencing as teachers of color. And so I think that's one way to address the racial isolation that teachers feel is they, if they have a space, they, were, they can come together and fellowship and network with each other. I think that really helps with the isolation piece. So I think that was a clear recommendation we had, not only for schools, but also for districts to think about affinity spaces. Something else we heard was what kind of supports are school principals getting to develop culturally competent teachers and environments in their schools? And so I think this is something where the department can really support this work and help school principals to not only have inclusive hiring and interview processes, but also think about professional development that benefits them. So I think those were like two very important strategies that we highlighted in our report for teachers of color. So when you um, talked about your research and when we talked about Jason's research and going out and talking to uh, educator prep programs and district leaders and school leaders and community leaders too, what were sort of from those regional meetings um, and also from just your experience talking about this work uh, across the state, what, what have been some sort of the reactions, um, what did you take away from how people reacted and what that means about what we can do? So one thing I was surprised by was how consistent people's reactions were across all four cities that we traveled to. And Erin, I don't know if you would agree or disagree with this, but I really felt like the challenges that folks were experiencing in East Tennessee were similar to the challenges folks were experiencing in West Tennessee which really blew my mind because I thought there would be all of these differences in how people are thinking about educator diversity. In, in part because the demographics are so different, yes. right? So in East Tennessee, you tend to have a much more white population. You have uh, populations that are really growing from the Latinx perspective, but you tend to have many fewer black teachers or black students in particular and traveling to uh, Chattanooga and then West Tennessee and also here in Middle Tennessee, you sort of had different racial makeups, both of the populations of schools, but also in those rooms. And still, some of the challenges were similar. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting challenge for the department to work with, because even with all of those challenges, I think there are some common things that we could be doing across the state. Um, and so that was a really interesting takeaway for me coming away from the regional meetings. I think the other thing that came up consistently was that teachers of color, I think, want to not feel tokenized and that they want to be seen as teacher leaders. And that came up quite a bit in the conversation as well. And that was one of the recommendations we had in the report is really how do we elevate teachers of color so that they're seen as leaders and not tokenized to be the equity experts at their school or in their classroom, but really seen as content experts as well. So I think that's another theme that we really picked up during the regional meetings. Yeah, I, I definitely heard that as well. I think one of the other things I picked up on, and I would imagine we'll talk about this Pam with, with Pam as well, because Pam and I had some of these similar conversations that you and I had, is just how hard it is actually to talk about race. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, And the types of things that people might say that, 
are well-intentioned in their head but come out wrong when they say it um, or ways that things can be received one way or another. And, and, and these are just hard conversations, but we have to have them because we're actually not going to do anything or make any progress unless we are having them. And uh, I think that was, a, that was a sort of big takeaway as well. Um, can you talk just a little bit about before we get into a little bit about more about tech and sort of where you guys are headed and how you're going to continue to contribute to this conversation, but just your own experience as a teacher, um, are there other things you might offer um, or things that you feel like the the research and the conversations you've had from the tech perspective reinforce about your own experience? Yeah, I mean, one thing we heard pretty consistently from across all four cities was there aren't enough people of color in our district for us to be able to recruit as future teachers. And in educator prep programs. And educator well. prep programs. And I think the way that we challenged that when we heard that was, well, you have elementary and middle school students who are students of color. So how are you developing and tapping into that potential pool of teachers of color? And I think that's something that districts really have to make the switch on is thinking about they have the future teachers in their district. They just have to elevate them and empower them to see themselves as teachers. And that really was something that was reflected in my own life as well. Like I never had anyone in my life say that I could be a teacher or even say that teaching is a career that I would be good at. And I think that's so important for young people, especially young people of color, to be told, you can be a good teacher, you should pursue this career. And I think that's a pretty easy switch that a lot of schools and districts could be making. Yeah, because seeing change, it's not just going to happen overnight. This is change that we're going to have to work at and we're going to have to, you know, get at from multiple angles. So I think that what you're talking about, like we have to do things to help out our teachers of color who are currently in our classrooms, but also to develop those pipelines. So tell us a little bit, Indira, about what is coming next for Tekka. So we have a lot of exciting things planned. Uh, the most exciting is that we are launching a teacher fellowship uh, in a couple of months, and it is a fellowship geared towards teachers of color. And our goal is we want to start in Middle Tennessee, but really be able to do this statewide in a couple of years. And this fellowship will be for about eight to 10 teachers of color in Middle Tennessee. And the focus will be on helping teachers of color develop their identities, think about how their identity reflects who they are as teachers of color. And I think while we have a lot of leadership opportunities in the state for teachers, there haven't really been a lot of leadership opportunities focused on people of color. And I think that's where we add some value and we bring something different to the table. And then the other thing that we do every year is we have a conference called Diversify Ed. So this is going to be our third year. Very excited. Very excited. Last year we had about 200 people. And I think this year we're hoping to double that. So we have a keynote speaker. Her name is Brittany Packnett. Oh, wow. Uh, Yes. So she's going to be our keynote speaker. And we'll have teacher-led workshops and sessions. And I think that's what makes us unique as well. It's all teacher-led and principal-led in our workshops. And really the goal is for teachers of color as well as allies to come together and talk about issues that are affecting students and teachers of color. Um, So really excited about that. And that will be in June. We're still figuring out the location, but very excited about that. Where can people go to get more information about that? So we have a website. uh, It is tneca.org, or you can just Google Tennessee Educators of Color Alliance, and you'll be able to get all the information, sign up for a mailing list, and we'll keep you updated on everything that we're working on. 
So exciting. Thanks so much, Indira, both for uh, the work that you've been doing, but also uh, it was a pleasure to do this work together and looking forward to continuing to think about how the research that we can do at Terra and the research that you all do uh, can help further your work. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Indira. Thank you so much. We're back with Pam Chapman, Director of Leadership at the Tennessee Department of Education. Pam, thanks for coming and being on the 10th period. Welcome, Pam. Thank you. It's wonderful being here. So we'll start with just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your background, what's your current role? Okay, so great. So my background, I have 20 plus years in education in both charter and public schools and very typically schools that are considered high poverty, high minority in major cities. So very and I have also been a teacher, uh, assistant principal, instructional coach, a principal and a uh, you know, supervising over a charter school network. So my career has run the gamut You've in done it terms all. of the work. Yes, I feel like that. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit more about your experience. We, we In these regional meetings, we spend a lot of time talking about uh, principals trying to have a diverse workforce, trying to think about um, how, what the structures that you put in place to do that. And I, I heard you talk a lot about, at those meetings, your own experience. Can you talk a little bit about your own experience as a principal? One of my passions has been, you know, serving in underserved communities, if you will. And so I have really enjoyed grooming teachers and growing teachers. And I've thought very deeply about the recruitment piece and how impactful the teacher is on students. And I've spoke a lot about the importance of having teachers that look like the students. And so it's very important to, if you're leading a school that, you know, is 90% African-American, that you get an opportunity to have, you know, a staffing that matches that of the students and have done a lot of work over the years with recruiting and retaining African-American men and just the difference that that has made in the school setting and the power that they bring to the classroom and I think, you know, the latter part of my time spent doing school-based work has really been wrapped around the idea of culturally relevant teaching and how when you are giving students very relevant examples that celebrates their culture and the cultural capital that they bring to the classroom, that it really does catapult closing the achievement gap, you know, and really being very intentional about the materials and the instructional materials that are selected for students and just how engaged students become with just being intentional about who we put in front of them and the materials that we put in front of them. So it's been a pleasure to really serve in schools um, that others perhaps would look down on, but have really been able to do some great work with some amazing teachers when we let them do what they do best. So I, um, you talked some about some of these things at the regional meetings, and in a second we'll get into um, talking a little more specifically about mm -hmm. the regional meetings. But one of the things that came up for me, and I think you had heard this as well, was um, teachers of color saying actually cultural relevance isn't just – I mean, so obviously, right, if you have a white teacher in a mostly 
black school, there's a lot of difference there, and there's some, and there's mm-hmm. certainly cultural learning that needs to occur for that teacher. Right. But also, it was interesting to hear a little bit that maybe everyone can use a little bit of cultural competency work. Can you talk a little bit about that that perspective that we heard at the meetings? Right, and so I think one of the standards of caution is that all teachers can be good for students of color. Right. And we see that in the research, right? right? So certainly the research indicates very, very clearly that students of color benefit from having a teacher of color. Right. But all students benefit from having a teacher of color. Right. And I think particularly with the programs that the college prep programs that were in attendance, you know, at these meetings, I really wanted to hone in on this idea that the culturally relevant pedagogy is important for all teachers that are in front of students of color because it really does come back to I can't be what I can't see. And if a young person, for example, a young African-American boy can read about Leland Melvin, who is who was an NFL Detroit Lions and an astronaut who currently works for NASA. So then you have the both and. Mm. And so when you're able to to really put materials in front of young people that reflect who they are, we're getting away from the danger of the single story, mm. that you can only be this one thing or that one thing. And you really are opening up, you know, education in the truest sense, you know, as opposed to continually putting the same materials that have not been working in front of young people or resisting you know, the idea that you really can be anything that you want to be. And how do I, as a woman of color or perhaps, you know, as a Caucasian woman, how do I spend that time unpacking that so that it's relevant for you? I feel like what I hear you saying is that this conversation around getting more teachers of color Mm -hmm. is bigger than that, Mm -hmm. right? And that when we have people who are pushing back on the fact that, oh, well, you know, it's really hard to find educators of color um, Mm -hmm. in our communities, that there are other steps that can be taken around this cultural competence piece. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that that is really, I think, what you're saying here is that, you know, it's not if you're – you should prioritize getting teachers of color, but there are also other things to prioritize too. Right. And thank you. And that's that's very well said. And it's the instructional materials, but it's also the work culture. And so how are we valuing the, you know, again, the students' cultural capital that they're bringing to the classroom? And how are we making our families feel comfortable in our school buildings and not trying to get, again, this danger of this single story. Like, students have to move and think and be in one way. And I think we see that coming out of the research in another aspect where teachers of color who are in a lot of our rural districts within our state um, who are feeling extreme cases of isolation. And they're really struggling, um, you know, with some of the microaggressions. And that comes back to some of these same pieces of, you know, the same schools of thought around, are you valuing the people who are in your building for who they are, not for who you want them to be or to how your biases think that they should be? You know, I think then that's really, really important. So, you know, the bigger piece around culturally relevant pedagogy and literature and materials, you have to really, first off, have a belief system that this is impactful and this is important. 
So what else did you hear at the regional meetings that you attended from the people who came because they were interested and passionate about this issue? And that we, again, you know, people from school districts, people from educator preparation programs, and then really some community leaders as well. So I think what I heard was that we have some systemic race issues in our state that we need to deal with and that we have some structures in place that are reinforcing this consistent inequality and the unwillingness to change these structures because they've been in place for 30 years and they've been tried and true. Well, a big piece is that we know the demographics of our students in this state are changing. And our teacher demographics are not changing with them. And they're not. And our practices, hiring, supporting, developing, promoting, have not changed. And so that was one of the resounding, you know, pieces that I heard. And it was almost as if in many of the locations where, you know, where we had the meetings that folks want to just start from here the idea of this colorblindness and that in one particular educator from a, a preparation program, I don't see color. Well, when you don't see color, you don't honor who I am and you don't honor my journey and you don't honor, you know, any particular cultural learning styles that I have. That it, to me, what I heard her say was, you want me to be like you and fit into the majority system. And not honor who I am as as a student of color, as a woman of color. And so I think it was really interesting just the thoughts around addressing this, the the fear to have the conversation. And I think that's what we're experiencing in schools across the country. We first have to have an authentic conversation about race. We have to unpack how we think and feel about black men and their role, and what their role has been historically, and how the media portrays them. If we don't address that, then it makes it difficult for us to see them as the amazing leaders in the classroom. So shifting the mindset, I think, in our state is going to be key. Yeah. Go ahead, Laura. How do you feel like starting with the research and then having some of these conversations mm-hmm. like they did that that were happening at the regional meetings is kind of starting to get some of this off. And, and then how do you feel like the department has a role to play in some of this work too? For us at the department, it is now what's next. What do we do with the information that we have? And so supporting districts with initiatives like Grow Your Own, as well as helping districts identify best practices around not just recruitment, but around retention, you know. And so we've had a lot of conversations at the department around recruitment strategies are great, but if the people are going out of the door faster than they're coming in, like how do we help support districts, superintendents, principals around making folks feel comfortable in the space that they work in. And how, you know, a big piece I think is a great start is around our evaluation tool. Are we equitably evaluating teachers? And the research would indicate for approximately 30 years that that has not been the case. And so when I look at the work as director of leadership, and the opportunity to meet and to develop 
new assistant principals and principals, that's the opportunity to unpack that and to talk about equity as it relates to evaluation. Yep. And so um, and we actually will have some research out uh, hopefully later this year from Tara about um, those types of things that we do see uh, observed in the Tennessee data. Mm -hmm. I mean, so first we were talking about black men. Right. So we see something like three percent. I mean, this is already out in Mm -hmm. public, but three percent of of our educators across the state are black men, whereas something more like 11 or 12 percent of our students Mm -hmm. are are black boys. Right. So but you can see in in certain districts, that's that looks very different. But that's a that's a real gap. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've we've started calling that the exposure gap, actually, um, in uh, in our newest language around this. Um, But we we have some of these questions about evaluation and the impact of the Mm -hmm. evaluation system. Um, that also seems important. And so, you know, I think we're eager to work with you all to Mm -hmm. figure out what are the right questions to ask to get people the information they need. So you've talked a little bit about the department. And before we let you go, we talked just a little bit to, from your own experience Mm -hmm. and as a principal, if if there are principals uh, listening or district leaders listening, what are like two or three things coming from the research, your experience, these meetings, your new role that you would say, these two or three things are things you could do right now tomorrow. And you talked about some of these at the meetings. Right. So I would say one of the things is to have an authentic conversation around implicit bias and to set up a school culture, a work environment that allows people to put that on the table. Because if we don't address the implicit bias, that leads to the numerous microaggressions that are happening in classrooms daily for students. But I think that's one of the things, you know, that school districts could do at the top. And that's not predicated on funding. That That is based on are we having conversations about what we really think about the composition of our country and how it is shifting. I think the second thing that can be done is to really look at the instructional materials that are in your building and doing an inventory of how many novels that, you know, have the main character as, you know, a character of color versus how many do not, you know. And then I think the other piece to that, a third thing that can be done is to allow the teachers of color to have a voice So checking for when you're setting up your leadership teams, is there a diverse body that is present? When you are sending out recruiting teams, is it it reflective of a cross-section of your staff? You know, when you're sending teachers to professional development opportunities, are you assuring that you're giving all of your teachers an opportunity? Or, you know, as a leader, you need to almost fact check yourself and look at what have your habits, thoughts and patterns, what have they been that can either support the inequalities that we're seeing or refute them. So I think it's really just a a sitting back and taking stock of what is really happening in your school, because one of the powerful Uh, data points that came out of the research that we shared is that folks tend to hire from within their networks. Folks tend to promote 
from within our networks. And so one of the pushes at the department is that when we are creating programs, that we are ensuring that we have diversity initiatives and plans in place, because if we know that of the 147 superintendents in the state, that approximately six are of color, then our programs are going to consistently look the same. And so how do we help and put policies and procedures in place that ensure diversity for even opportunities that we're presenting? And how are we helping, you know, our superintendents and our principals think through this? And again, not in a non-threatening way. If we know better, then we can do better, you know. And so I think that's the amazing part about being at the department at this time is the opportunity to help districts. Because at the end of the day, we all want our students to be successful. We want our teachers to be impactful. We want our principals to lead amazing schools. And we want our superintendents to oversee schools that really have high levels of student outcomes. And so how does the department support you in that effort in an authentic way? And that's really uh, what I like to say, boots on the ground. (laughs) Well, we really appreciate you being here, Pam, and um, sharing both your own uh, Mm -hmm. thoughts and background and um, as well as some of your thoughts on the research and the meetings and where the department is headed. We're excited to go there with you uh, and to help (laughs) in any way that we can to, uh, to... to get the right information in the hands Mm -hmm. of the folks who can make changes. So thanks so much for being here and for for doing the work together. Right, and thank you. Thank you for having me. And we look forward to closing the achievement gap and moving all students forward in our state. That brings us to the end of our first episode of the second season of the 10th period. And our 10th episode overall. And our 10th episode overall. It's great to be back in this room with you, Laura, and having these conversations. What were your big takeaways from today's conversation? Well, I enjoyed hearing what Indira said about the findings from their research, specifically related to loneliness and affinity groups. I think Tekka is filling a big hole in this space in terms of bringing people together, but those are not happening on a daily basis. And so where can district schools and how can the State Department also support districts and schools in making sure that we are kind of preventing some of this loneliness, I think, that can occur when you are racially isolated within a school building and give people more networks and opportunities to um, collaborate. And this other piece around, I think a lot of times, um, educators of color, especially black educators, can be seen as sort of like, oh, this is the person who's going to be the voice for equity within our school building and needing to see them also as content experts, as teachers, uh, teacher leaders. And a lot of this is really from what Pam talked about. All of these things are things we just have to be mindful about and prioritize. And this is why this is something we have to continue to talk about. Right. Um, and this is something we have to continue to research and look at the data and see how things are sh- are changing. Set ambitious but achievable goals um, at the state level, at school level, at district levels, um, and in terms of getting more educators of color. But then Pam really helped me think about how this is, yes, getting educators of color is one of our primary goals when we talk about teacher diversity, but expanding it to talk about cultural competence and how our educator preparation programs can 
play a role in that and how our school districts and schools can play a role in that, how this isn't just about um, training white teachers to think about cultural competence, but it's also about taking a look at instructional materials, about making sure that we are making helping parents feel at home. So I think that for me, it was kind of these two pieces around what can we do to support our educators of color that we have currently and bring them in through pipelines, but also focus on the cultural competence piece that can shift the culture of our schools and our school buildings. I I really just want to say I think all of what you just said is exactly right, and we're very similar to my takeaway, so I, I won't repeat them. But I think that the thing that I felt in the regional meetings that I felt again in the conversation today and in what you just said is that we're not going to change the composition of our workforce nor the racial politics in the state of Tennessee or uh, in classrooms overnight. And these are conversations that need to continue to happen and continue to have the uh, the spaces in which to have them and, and uh, allow for students, teachers, principals to see themselves in others around them, but also in the things that we put in front of them, and, and that all of that is important as we continue to try and both diversify the workforce and and, uh, and also to provide everyone with the opportunity they need to have these conversations about the importance of, of uh, racial sensitivity and diversity and all of these types of things. So I think that's important, and too. And I appreciated how Pam ended by saying that this is about making sure that all of our students in, uh, in Tennessee have the opportunity to uh, have an excellent education. Um, and I think that that is why you and I got into education and education research. And that is why the people who are listening to us talk right now are listening because they're hoping to learn something that can also help them play a role in this mission of helping all of our students. And educator diversity is is one big piece of making sure that all of our students have these great opportunities. So over the course of this year, Laura, on the podcast, I think we'll talk about a, a, a number of different things. But you know, I, th- I think we'll stay focused in a lot of ways on some of the things supporting uh, great teachers and leaders. So we'll talk some about um, what we know about teacher mentors, some other things you think we'll talk about? Well, I know that something Pam mentioned, uh, instructional materials is something the department's focusing on. It's something that there's a lot of research being conducted around. So I, I expect it to cover that. Um, compensation is always a hot topic um, nationally as well as in Tennessee. And then um, we uh, at Terra, along in partnership with the Tennessee Department of Education, are responsible for the annual Tennessee Educator Survey. And that actually... Which will be in yeah. the field starting February 25th or the week of February 25th of, for six weeks or so. So um, probably sharing some findings from last year and then this year once those are available. So we look forward to another great season of the 10th period. Thank you all for being part of this journey with us and we'll talk to you next time.